My brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the worship service of the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Murphy, and I invite you to come now and sit and enjoy the music ministry as they share with you the glorious hymns as well as spiritual songs of our ministry, and then we'll come back and share with you with the preaching of God's word. Be blessed as God speaks to you this morning. in the night are you ready are you ready are you ready oh no it may be morning not or noon i don't know but it will be soon are you ready are you ready are you ready and oh when we all get to heaven that's the day when we be shouting, oh, that's the day when, so glad that we were ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? When we all get to heaven, that's the day when we be shouting, oh, that's the day when, so glad that we were ready. Lord and Savior, everything, oh, we were so glad, so glad that we were ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? I can't wait for that day. No more troubles all gone away. I can't wait to see my Savior's face. If he came back today, oh, I got my things already, cause I don't want to be late. Oh, oh, on that day, on that day, I just want to be ready on that day.
stood in old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame I love that old cross for the God. 
If you will, get your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. The book of Genesis, chapter 37, and we're going to read verses 18 through 20. Today is Palm Sunday, and of course, we are entering into that final week of the life of Jesus in which we celebrate his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem to have it only to culminate on what we would later call Good Friday, in which our Lord sacrificially provides his life on the cross. And what we want to do for this week and next week is sort of parallel the story of Joseph with the story of Jesus as we celebrate this Palm Sunday and then, of course, Resurrection Sunday as well. If you are a Bible student, you know that Joseph is always compared to Jesus by way of parallel in their ministry and what happens to them. And so we simply want to exalt those two particulars this week and next week as we look at this triumphant story as well as the Easter story in celebrating the life of our Lord. Genesis chapter 37 verses 18 through 20. Verse 20, Clause B, is really going to be our verse of concentration. Here's what the word says. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a wild beast has devoured him. Here's the line. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Remember for the month of March, we've been dealing with a overarching theme for the sermons, redirecting for progress. We're trying to delve into how God changes courses from what we would consider to be ordinary into a realm that is inordinary and yet accomplish the purpose and objective to which he has in mind. Today we want to examine this Genesis story of Joseph in the same manner, but our sermon title comes under the question, are you prepared for the task Part one, are you prepared for the task? Part one, again, Genesis chapter 37, verse 20, clause B is what I want to lift up. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. I concur with the definition and the wisdom of the late Miles Monroe who said that every person is a leader in his or her own vision 
because that person is the only one who can imagine, who can nurture, and who can fulfill it. I like Miles Monroe's definition simply because that statement, I should say, is a statement that sounds off the unrestricted. It's not limited, nor is it defined by the popular definitions of what we would call leadership. Instead, there is a room in this statement by Monroe for what we might define as unconventional definitions, not considered previously or often rejected by others. With that said, it raises the question, so what is your vision? What have you always wanted to do? What is your heart's desire? What is your dream? When you can begin to see your vision clearly, you'll be able to fulfill your life's purpose. Let's push the point for vision clarity in your life, because this is what we're really pushing for. Ted Anstrom, former president of Worldwide Vision, tells a story about a little girl referring to the word vision. A little girl was on a cruise ship standing on the deck with her father. It was a clear and beautiful day. The little girl standing on the tiptoes said to her father, I can't see anything. The father picked up his daughter and placed her on his shoulders so that she would be higher than everyone else on the deck and she was able to see everything around her. She looked back to her father and says, Daddy, I can now see farther than my eyes can look. I can now see further, farther than my eyes can look. That little girl captured the essence of vision. It's simply the ability to see further than your physical eyes can look to see, not just what is, but also what can be and then make it a reality. Vision is a conception that is inspired by God in the heart of the individual. The greatest gift God ever gave to humanity is not sight, contrary to what one might believe, it's not sight, but vision. Merely because sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. You can have sight and yet have no vision because vision is seeing the future before it even comes into being. It's a mental picture of your destiny. It's the process of engaging your imagination. That's how I define the life of Joseph one of imparted divine vision, Joseph understood that the source of his vision was God. But let me suggest that Joseph was not aware of particularly two things that's going to take place and when it happens, it could very easily spiral out into many other things. 
Joseph was not aware that he was going to be a leader. God had imparted a vision in his life to do that. But he was not aware of the obstacles that he would have to encounter, nor the obstacle course that he would have to travel upon. When I talk about the obstacles, we go back to Genesis chapter 37, and we begin looking at that second verse, and we see obstacles begin to take place. Why? Because understand, the source of vision is the first step in fulfilling it, but the next step is where both Joseph and you and I hit a brick wall. Being aware, if we were, of the potential obstacles and what could take place in our life, if we were aware of that, we would be able to defeat it and keep ourselves from being derailed from the vision. If we knew ahead of time, we could make preparation to make sure that even if they do occur, we could best deal with them to our advantage. But obstacles show up with an intention often to derail your vision and your dream. Joseph had a couple of obstacles in his life, and I want to make this point. He had these obstacles not at his doing, but because of his being. Just because of who he was created obstacles. Look at the text, if you will. The first obstacle is his age. His age. Chapter 37 and verse 2, Clause B says that Joseph was 17 years of age. That's all he was. A young man handling the flocks in the fields of his father. But he's a young man with a dream. He can't help it because he's 17. And he certainly can't help it because God has given him a dream. But that is the initial obstacle he would have to deal with. There's another obstacle. Even though he's 17 with dream, you and I may have that same context, but we've got to remember what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example of those who believe, those who have confidence, those who are youthful and yet have intentionality, have dreams. So Joseph, because he's 17, can't help it, but he has a dream. But he has another obstacle. His other obstacle is he has favor with his father. Favor with his father. Look at what verse 3 says. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. Now, Joseph couldn't help it because he was born in his father's old age. Joseph couldn't help it because his father gave him a special garment to commemorate that he was a special son in Joseph's old age. But there's going to be an obstacle for Joseph, and he's going to have to learn to deal with it and get over it. 
you and I can't help it because we were born at a certain time we were born, nor can we help it that we've gained favor with certain people, but we have to deal with it. He's 17. He is favored by his father. Here's another obstacle. He's hated by his brothers. Verse 4 says that even though he's been blessed and favored by his father, verse 4 says his brothers saw that his father loved them more than all his other brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Joseph couldn't help it because of when and how and the conditions in which he was born, but his brothers hated him merely because his father gave him favor. And yet it's an obstacle that Joseph is going to have to deal with. You're going to have to deal with those kinds of persons who just hate you, don't like you, don't consider you to be anyone of importance just because of the conditions to which you have now operating in your life of favor. Joseph is 17. Joseph has favor with his father. Joseph is hated by his brothers. But look at the text also tells us in verse 5, Joseph is a dreamer. Look what it says. Then Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Joseph can't help it because he has dreams. It's something imparted by God, given to his life, and it's going to be the purpose of his life. You can't help it because you are a visionary. Don't permit persons to make you feel guilty because you are a dreamer. You keep dreaming because your life is about not only dreaming, but being able to dream and see what is not yet until you bring it into reality. And Joseph is hated because he was a dreamer. But more importantly, here's something to understand. Whenever you discover your own vision, you don't need to be jealous of anybody else. And that was the problem of Joseph's brothers. They had not discovered what their vision was in life. And so they were jealous of Joseph. His brothers never discovered their dream and many people live a mediocre life, live in the state of mediocrity. They settle for what is and fail to pursue what could be, and they hate you because you have pursued it and prospered. And you must not allow their personal hang-up to cause you to get hung up in their jealousy. They hated him even more. Here's another obstacle Joseph had. He not only was a dreamer, but he shared his dream prematurely. See, listen to verse 5 through 8. It says that Joseph told his dreams to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And he said to them, please listen to this dream which I have, for behold, basically, you're going to be serving me. All that I have will rise up, strong, erected, and what you have will bow down to it. And look at the last line of verse 8. Here is what it says. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Here's the point I want to emphasize. Sharing your vision, sharing your dream with the wrong person prematurely opens the door 
to dream killers where they were pursued not just to kill the dream, but even to kill the dreamer. Trust me, I've experienced that. You have to be extremely careful not to share your vision or your dream prematurely with persons who have no interest in trying to help you achieve, but who will end up birthing jealousy and will attempt to kill your dream, and if necessary, will kill you. Then there's another obstacle Joseph has. He not only has a dream, but he continues to dream. Verse 9 and 10 says, Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers. What happened? Discomfort, disbelief coming from both his brothers and now his father is landing in the life of Joseph. The text says that Joseph was clearly unaware of the obstacles he would have to face, but also he is quite unaware of the obstacle course that he's going to have to encounter. Like Moses, God takes Joseph on a journey that will fulfill his dream, but Joseph is not aware, neither are his brothers and even his father, that God is preparing Joseph to bless his family, watch this, because an Egyptian pandemic of famine is coming down the pike. And God knows he has to redirect Joseph's life from an ordinary life as a shepherd to bring him now to an inordinary life as a king, as a prime minister, I should say, because he's going to be the one to assist his family during an earthly pandemic. And the brothers couldn't see it coming, but I want to contend. I am convinced that his father, based off of wisdom, that he knew something was up, even though he may not wanted to admit it, something is up in Joseph's dream. Listen to what his father said, or what it says about his father in verse 11. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. I'm convinced that his father thought, now that's a strange dream that Joseph is having, but those kind of dreams don't just come out of the clear blue sky. One don't just desire to do that. That seems to have some divine interjection. And Jacob says, I got to wait and see how this thing is going to turn out. God had the audacity to leave out some particular details in Joseph's dream, in Joseph's journey, should I say. He didn't tell him about the obstacle course, the details that ultimately will either make you or break you. God didn't tell Joseph. Isn't that like God do not to tell us about all of the details about a journey? It, there may be the vision 
of a destiny, but never all of the details that's involved in the journey. And that pushes itself to beg the question, are we ready, prepared for the task? Because if you begin to read Genesis 37, skip 38 and start reading 39 all the way to chapter 50, you'll come to discover that it's going to get uglier before the beauty occurs. There's the tests, there's the tribulations, there's the temptations, they're all going to intensify because we're dealing with a Joseph who has been imparted with a divine vision, Joseph who was a dreamer, Joseph who lived in constant danger of his brothers, Joseph who is disliked by his family, and to add to this list, now Joseph must deal with his brother's inability to dream and settle for their own life of mediocrity. See, mediocrity is an interesting thing. It is a region bound on the north by compromise. It's bound on the south by indecision. It's bound on the east by past thinking and is bound on the west by a lack of vision. Unpack that. Compromise is a two-edged sword. See, there are times when you need to be flexible, but then there are times when you have to be concrete. And the brothers had no compromise. They were concrete in their mediocrity. They had a mediocre mentality and they weren't willing to change it. And as a result, they ended up not being able to dream. They were struck by indecisiveness. And indecision is a dream killer. It's unsettling and it places you on shaky ground. In fact, James 1.8, I think it is, says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It causes you to not be a person who can make decisions and move on. And they couldn't do that. Well, they did, but they made decisions in the wrong direction. Past thinking can be a hindering, destructive force in your life instead of being able to reflect on learning from the past. I think it's Paul who tells us in the Philippian letter, chapter 2 and 3, that we have to learn to leave behind those things that happened in the past and instead put your energies in pressing forward to the mark of the high calling. Then there's that lack of vision. Mediocrity and unhappiness, hatred of others, even death. Where there is no vision, the people perish, says Proverbs 29. That's what's happening to the life of the brothers. And yet before them is a type of savior. That's what Joseph is going to become. A type of savior 
who will redeem, save his brothers and his family from the calamities of a pandemic. Were it not for Joseph's being put on this obstacle course, we're going to find out about this a little later next week, the things that Joseph have to encounter. But had it not been for God using Joseph, preparing Joseph, putting all these obstacles in the course for Joseph, those brothers and their father and their family would have died in the famine of Egypt. But isn't that like God to teach us some very strange lessons? Here's the lessons that come from Genesis 37, verse 1 all the way down to verse 20. Here's a lesson. You may find yourself even like Joseph's brothers instead of Joseph. But keep this in your mind. Your purpose is greater than your failures and your mistakes. See, even though Joseph made some great mistakes by divulging the vision prematurely, yet God knows his purpose in life is greater than his mistakes and his failures. I want you to catch that because perhaps you have launched out in your dream, but because of haters, because of some mistakes, because of some failures, you feel like it's no longer viable to continue to pursue. Remember the question of the sermon, are you ready for this task? Because the delivery of a dream is not on easy street but it very well may come through a great deal of obstacles that God permits to drop in your path. But understand, because you've had failures and because you've made mistakes, that doesn't eliminate your purpose because your purpose is far greater than that. And that's what Joseph tells us. Here's the second point. Prolong indecisiveness is a vision dream killer. Perhaps you might be now teetering on what should I do? Notice what Joseph does. There is no indecisiveness in Joseph's mood. Instead, he go ahead and launches out into the vision that God gave him. He made a mistake or two along the way, but he was not indecisive. He knew exactly what he needed to do and if nothing more, he launched out into the deep. Now, launching out into the deep does have, you know, its spaces in which it can be problematic. But I'd rather launch out and encounter the problems than to stay on the shore and to keep wondering what would have happened if I did. I'm here to tell you, stop being indecisive about what you're going to do with your life on your journey and make a decision and get to it. Go ahead and launch out into the deep. When Peter and the disciples were fishing one night and they did not catch any fish and they come back to shore and Jesus is there and Jesus looks at Peter 
and says, I, I want you to do something. I want you to go back out there, but, but launch out into the deep. And Peter says, Lord, we've been out there fishing all night. We already know there's nothing out there. And Jesus says, trust me. Make a decision. And just what Peter says, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, O King James, at your bidding, I'm going to do that. Make a decision. Because prolonged indecisiveness will kill your dreams, certainly. Here's a third lesson. And here's probably the greatest lesson you might want to understand. Here it is. Success only come in installments. Success only comes in installments. Remember, the course is an obstacle course that God's going to have Joseph on because at every obstacle, if he endures, there's a triumphant experience. And the triumphant experience is the payout of success. That's the reason why the Bible says he that endures to the end. All of your success can't come at the same time. It's too much for you. Can't handle it. You'd blow it. You'd misuse it, misappropriate it. But when you have to get your success in small increments, installments at a time, there is a great deal of appreciation. There's an overwhelming sense of gratitude. There is this continual inspiration that I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it, it's going to happen, and even at the next obstacle, you're not deterred, you're not even disappointed. You're encouraged because you know without the fight and the struggle, you know that's telling you that something is there to be captured by you. And so what do you do? You understand my success comes in installment. Look at the parallel of human life. You have grade school, junior high school, high school, undergraduate, graduate, and postgraduate, and then employment. Slowly in installments are you rewarded for your effort. You have entry level of jobs, then you have promotion, and it just keeps going up until you get to perhaps where you want to be. Installments. God does the exact same thing. He gives us these short installments as payoffs to help us understand that God is working it out and the question becomes are you ready for the challenge are you willing to be able to persevere yourself through these hard moments are you prepared for the task that's what we're going to find out in the life of Joseph and on this Palm Sunday, Joseph, as I said earlier, is this divine parallel to Jesus. Here's a few examples. Joseph is unaware of the plot that's being formed against him. When you begin to read verse 12 all the way down to verse 17, Joseph doesn't know that his brothers is plotting against him, but Jesus is well aware of the plot that is being formed against him. Joseph is rejected 
by his brothers for personal reasons. Jesus is rejected for political reasons. Joseph is talking about being a dreamer and Jesus is talking about being the redeemer. Both of them are rejected by not only the politics of life, particularly in the life of Jesus, but also their personal friends. Joseph comes into, into Egypt as a servant and Jesus comes into Jerusalem as a savior. Joseph comes in as a slave, as we'll learn next week on the Ishmaelite trade who eventually sells him to Potiphar. And yet, Jesus comes into Jerusalem triumphantly and the people are throwing down palms, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. They don't realize that he's the savior of the world. And yet, behind all of those hosannas, you read the gospel narrative, are the same voices that cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Pilate's proclamation, I find no fault in him. What do you want me to do with him? And they say, crucify him. He comes in Jerusalem as a savior while Joseph comes into Egypt as a servant. And yet Joseph eventually transitioned to being the savior from the famine in Egypt. And Jesus becomes the savior for humanity while on the cross. God designed Joseph's elevation for that seven-year famine. Remember, Pharaoh's going to have a dream and Joseph's going to interpret it. Seven years of plenty and seven years of lack. And yet God designed Jesus' resurrection for eternal life. That those who will look unto him in the Genesis narrative, those who look unto Joseph will receive grain to help them survive the famine. In the gospel narrative, those who look unto Jesus will help them receive grace to survive the eternal fire. God only thickens the plot when they saw Joseph from a distance says the text, they plotted to kill him. When they saw Jesus come into Jerusalem, they began to plot to kill him. But here's the victory and then I'm done. That's not the end of the story. We find Joseph, yes, being plotted against. In fact, the crust of their plot is this. Let's kill him and throw him into a pit that he might be devoured by some beast. But here's the line. Then let's see what will become of his dreams. 
I want to close by saying in, in that text alone is wrapped up our, your, my destiny in reference to vision. You see, people want to use the obstacle course <laughs> because the obstacle course it lends itself to the plotters who want to kill the dream and the dreamer. The wild beasts are nothing more than fear and frustration and pressures and problems and rejection. And if you let it, it can devour you. Because the ultimate goal is the brother's words in clause B of verse 20. Then let's see what becomes of his dreams. I want to prophetically declare to you today, don't let your haters, don't let those who are used as obstacles become dream killers in your life and don't let them get the satisfactory of suggesting they want to see what becomes of your dreams. In fact, make sure your dream shines so when they see it, they can only say, there was the dreamer who kept on dreaming in spite of his obstacles. Are you ready? for the task at hand. Jesus was, and next Sunday we'll find out how he triumphantly handled every obstacle on his journey from rejection by his friends to being ostracized by Pilate's military detachment to being led up the Via Dolorosa, Golgotha's Hill, and hung on a tree. Lord, thank you for the word to which gives us life, and it gives us life more abundantly. In this Joseph story, may we never lose connection of Jesus being in this story. May we see the victory to which God working in the life of both Joseph and Jesus brought about for us on this Palm Sunday. Somebody today, Lord, I just pray, grasp the lessons that were in this story and that they too particularly understand success, victory often comes in installments. Redirect their life today to a point of being victorious. We'll give you the praise. Save that soul that's going to call on your name this morning, God, because of Jesus and who he is and what he has done. It is in his glorious name we pray. Amen. We extend the invitation to life as always. It's our purpose to make sure that once we preach the gospel, that we say to you, Jesus stands with open arms. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. That's how simple salvation is. It is that simple. There's nothing complicated about it. It's simply confessing with my mouth, but yet believing in my heart that God, through his son Jesus, paid a price to save me that I might have eternal life with him. That's my prayer that you would receive that invitation and embrace Christ today. If you have done so, there are going to be multiple ways at the end of this service to which you can contact us. Let us know. We just like to know what's happening in your life, what God is doing. If salvation has come to your house, not only in the eternal, but yet even now in the existential where God is working in your life, we would love to know about that as well. We extend our gratitude to those of you who have been so kind in supporting the ministry, and we pray that you'll continue to do so. And if you're listening to this ministry and you're not a member of Great Little Zion Baptist Church, we would love for you to consider being a part of the family. I'd love to be your pastor. We'd love to have you as a part of our church family. We just continuously want to make sure that the gospel is shared with you and that most importantly, your life is a growing experience Part of our mission statement is to lead everyone to a full life of development in Jesus Christ. That's all we want to do. See you grow in the Lord. We want to give a special note out before we leave to those of you who were so kind and sharing your time with us on last Saturday as we uh, experienced our food distribution here at the church. We were able to give out some 70 plus food boxes uh, along with uh, chickens, and what a privilege it was to see that happen. We're grateful that God enabled us to be able to help 70-plus people to stretch out his hands through us to make sure that we can answer the question, when he was hungry, we fed him. And so I pray and thank you. I thank God, and I pray to God, but yet I thank you for being so kind and giving us your helping hands and encourage you to do so every third Sunday. We are, every third Saturday, I'm sorry, we are out here trying to make sure that we share in the giving of these baskets. So whenever you see the announcement, please make sure you respond if you're able to come out and help with us. Listen, I want you to know, as I always do every Sunday, God loves you, and so do I. I want you to have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord. Remember, this is Palm Sunday. We're looking forward to this week, in which is the most trying week in the life of Jesus and we will triumphantly experience what happens on that Good Friday. But yet, next Sunday is going to be our time of celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Amen. When we talk about how Jesus victoriously rose. And because he lives, we can live also. Have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Look forward to seeing you on next Sunday morning. Amen.